Doctor and This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. We are at war, dads. Our children are trusting us to remain true even unto death. And it's going to demand a level of dedication seldom seen in the Western world in our generation. It's going to require a depth of prayer, of watchfulness and perseverance, rarely practiced among professing Christian men today. It's going to demand that in the force of profound and discouraging adversity, we cast not away our confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you and I have need of patience that after we have done the will of God, we might receive the promise. So dads, fathers, it's time to get into the battle and to fight the good fight of faith. But what does that look like? How are we going to do that? That's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint as we talk about fathering in fearful times. Fathering in fearful times, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. In reality, these are ultimate times. As it was in the days of Noah, so it is today. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he was perfect in his generation, the Bible says. And he led his sons to build an ark for 120 years. He persisted. He was faithful. And then the rain came. Will we be persistent and faithful until the final end of the world as we know it? These are ultimate times. We fathers are now living in the final defining moments of history from the father's viewpoint. And that's why he lovingly, yet with warning, is wooing us to decisively turn our hearts back to him with diligence so that our children and our children's children can follow our lead, anticipating with confidence an everlasting legacy of eternal light. Eternal life. But you know what? Delay is not an option. Destiny is lying ahead, and we as fathers are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. So I ask you a question. Can you hear the Father's pleading voice? Will you heed his call? Your children and grandchildren are waiting your answer. That's my opening statement here today before a jury of my peers, fathers and grandfathers across America and around the world. And I'm so glad, again, that you have joined us. Conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Indeed, we are at war, dads. If you haven't realized it yet, you better come to grips with it. And the question is, when you finish your course, will you, like the Apostle Paul, be able to say with confidence And with courage and with conviction, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. We want to believe that all who come behind us will find us faithful, but will they? Fathering in fearful times. Let me ask you a question as we launch into today's program. Do you believe that these are fearful times? What do you look at when you consider 
the fearfulness of our times. Are you looking at the, the possibility that perhaps your house or your place of business might be attacked by marauding mobs? Is that the kind of fear you have? Is that the greater fear that you have? Or that perhaps the coronavirus will take over even the more so and the economy will be shut down and you won't be able to go back to work for an extended period of time? Is that your greatest fear? If those are your greatest fears, you're in deep trouble. Because quite frankly, those are not the kinds of things that God, as Father, is most concerned about concerning you and your fathering responsibility. He's far more concerned about the spiritual legacy that you will leave and the threats against your children and grandchildren, against your family, against your wife, against those in your sphere of influence, against your congregation, against your neighborhood, against the places in your business where you are God's hand extended in the earth. Those are the things that he's really concerned about the most. But if you're not concerned about that, if I'm not concerned about that, We've already missed God's viewpoint, and viewpoint determines destiny. You can see the conundrum that we're facing. And so we need to align ourselves with the things that concern Father God the most. He is our Father, and He is concerned. I mean, absolutely, we pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do we really believe that? God, as a Father, cried out to Israel and Judah in Malachi chapter 2, and he said, if I be a father, where's my honor? Mm-hmm. So he's crying out to us today, if I be a father, where's my honor? Where is my fear? Where is the deep respect that you have for me as a father? Many of us fathers are concerned about having a kind of respect and honor that uh, we we would like from our children, from our grandchildren and progeny and so on. <clears throat> but, you see, if we're not willing to honor God, then how can we expect our children and grandchildren to honor us? It's pretty simple. But, of course, the difficulty is in the details. It's not in the desire, it's in the details in other words, in the decisions that are made uh, day after day, week after week, month after month, and sometimes hour after hour. And so we want to take a look. We're going to continue to focus today on fathering in fearful times. There are going to be some disappointments. Martin Luther King Jr. made a statement. He said, we must accept finite disappointment, but we must never lose infinite hope. And I agree with that. So the, here's the deal. Increasing fear is going to define our times. Jesus said so. He said the time is coming when uh, men's hearts will fail them for fear for the things that are coming on the earth. So Jesus didn't mince any words about it. He told us exactly how it was going to be. So many people don't want to accept it. They don't want to read about it. They don't want to hear about it. The pastors don't want to tell the people about it because they say they don't want their people to be afraid. But the reality is the pastors are preparing their people to fear and to be terrified and for the children and grandchildren to be completely overtaken in faithlessness and destroyed because of their failure to prepare the way of the Lord in the lives of the people. 
So Jesus was interested in preparing sons. Do you know that Jesus is called the Father? That's right. Let's get this straight for the beginning. If we go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, which is almost always quoted at Christmas time, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name, talking about Yeshua, Jesus, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, listen to this, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Which means that when Jesus came to the earth as a son, he actually also was the extended hand of the Father to show us what fathers would do. So we want to take a look at what Jesus told us and showed us as to what fathers would do in fearful times. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. And I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. It's not about informing. It's about transforming. And we provide enough information with application so that there could be life transformation. That means change that we can really believe in, that God, as a father, can believe in in the life of his children. And that's what it's about. And our children are looking for the same thing for their dads and from their grandfathers, looking for the kind of fathering that we think we can depend on God to provide to us. Jesus was sharing the Father's heart just before his crucifixion and resurrection. He was warning there in Matthew chapter 24 of famines and pestilences and geological upheavals and geopolitical strife that was going to come. And he declared that these were only the beginning of sorrows. And then the son of the father, who was also called the father, full of grace and peace, was particularly concerned about the massive deception that was going to sweep the earth, especially among those who otherwise were professing his name. And I, in other words, Christians. And he became a nick. He said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many are going to, is going to wax cold. These sober warnings, I think, should grip the hearts of fathers today. And any lesser reaction is to hide our heads in the proverbial sand. So the reality is coming home to roost for any dad whose heart is truly turned toward father and walking as the son. So we're living in those times that were so graphically described by Jesus himself. And and just how serious are these times, both for us as fathers and for those who would follow in our footsteps? Well, hear the admonition from the Father's heart as declared by his only begotten Son. He said there should be signs in the sun, in the moon, the stars upon the earth's distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. So 
think about this. We're going to kind of shift here on the spiritual axis and begin to take a look at our role as fathers in fearful times. So if the hearts of macho men are failing them for fear, as Jesus said, because of what they see, feel, and hear, then how should we fathers expect our young who trust us to respond? This is not hypothetical. To fail on this is to embrace the the full weight of this issue, and it's totally hypocritical. In fact, it's 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 nothing short of really playing pretend. For those of us, those who have rightfully placed their trust in you and in me as surrogates of God the Father. So as real men, as genuine trustworthy fathers, the question is, what should we do? And what should we do now? That's the focus of the balance of our program here today on Viewpoint. Now, before we go any further, I want to make available to you uh, my book, Hearts of the Fathers. It's the most recent book that I have done, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. Uh, It is the most recent book other than the one that will be coming out on Monday. I just received word today that we will receive delivery of Antichrist on Monday. So those of you who want that book and want to get the uh, special offer, it's a $22 book, yours for $20 before July 30th. And uh, those who order the book early will also get a uh, an endorsed or autographed copy. And so uh, if you're interested in that, you'll go to the website saveus.org, uh, or you will uh, call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, or you'll write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, and you'll add $5 for postage and handling to the price of $20. Now, on the other hand, today we're talking about Hearts of the Fathers. And the reason this is so important is not just because uh, this is the Father's Day weekend, but it's because God is, shall we say, fatherly concerned. He's desperately concerned as a father that we as his children and fathers, his hand extended as fathers to his children, the ones he has entrusted to you and to me, that we do his will, and that we not leave our children high and dry and virtually fatherless fatherless in this desperate, increasingly desperate generation. This is a book of profound encouragement. Some people have actually called me Coach Chris Meyer. Indeed, I was a coach for uh, five years. Uh, early on before I began to practice law. And, uh, in fact, when I was in law school, I was a coach. And uh, coaching has always been kind of uh, deep in my own, ingrained in my own spirit. Because that's really what a father is. A father should be a coach. But a coach just doesn't cheer people on. A coach actually warns. A coach woos. A a coach wins. A coach uh, exhorts. A coach, uh, well, goads even. 
A coach will not let his team alone because he wants them to succeed. He wants them to be able to win what they're charged to do. That's why he's a coach. And so perhaps that helps you to understand a little bit why uh, yours truly here, day after day, week after week, month after month, continues to, shall we say, lovingly push, lovingly uh, uh what should we say, maybe a little goading here and there. But I don't let you alone. I will encourage. I will try to cast a vision. But I want to kind of nudge you a little bit forcefully along the way. Because human nature is human nature, and that is we're resistant. The same is true on a football team, a basketball team, or any other kind of team. The coach has to be a bit forceful sometimes. And only the coach who is forceful when needed be is actually respected. Other coaches that just, uh, you know, kind of play around and always have nice, uh, sweet nothings to say, but never really have the greater interest of the team and the individuals at heart are not respected. So, we want God wants to be respected. He says, where is my honor? If I be a father, where is my honor? So what are you and I going to do in these fearful times? Now, the book, Hearts of the Fathers, is going to help you to understand what that is. And uh, there's so many aspects in this book that uh, help to capture the vision for a man. It's not all couched in fearful times. That, that happens to be one chapter, by the way. We deal with how fathers can deal with deceptive men out there, false fathers, even uh, Satan who presents himself as a false father, uh, why it is that fathers fail, how to leave a godly legacy, the folly of fatherlessness, how to move from just uh, a mere father or man to becoming a patriarch. There's so many aspects uh, that are are laid here uh, in this book, and it should be a profound encouragement to you amid the times that we are in. So, it is a hardbound book, a $23 book, yours for $20. It's on our website, saveus.org, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. Uh, you can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check, add $5 for postage and handling. Now, if you want to get uh, Antichrist and this book, and you're ordering it now, what you can do is order them together, and you'll save $3 in the shipping and handling. So instead of $5 each, it'll be a total of $7 for the two books. And uh, that'll be another way to save an extra $3 and do it at the same time. Uh, but in order to do that, well, you can do it on the website or you can uh, give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. All right, enough of that uh, promotional kind of thing. But the reason for the promotion is not to sell books, by the way. I don't write books to sell books. That may come as a surprise. If I wrote books to sell books, I would write them completely differently. There were a lot of things that I would not say, 
And then there are a lot of other things I would say. Because I know what has to happen in order to sell more books. But God doesn't have me write books to sell books. He has me write books to communicate his heart for his people. Sometimes that's sellable, and sometimes it isn't. And it will capture the minds and hearts of those whose hearts are tuned toward him. And it's that group of people to whom these books are written. It's not written to the pagan. All the warnings of Scripture are to professing believers, all of them. All right, that having been said, we want to take a look at uh, this this matter of uh, fathers fathering in fearful times. And uh, if children are fearing, if fathers are fearing, then you can understand that their children are fearing too. So let me ask you a question. Do you know whether your children are actually fearing or not? And what they fear? Have you ever tried to talk to them quietly, privately? Or are you afraid to do that? Your children have their own thoughts, their own response. They see things that are happening. The older they are, the more they see things that are happening. And we need to talk to them about it. And when our children fear, it can have a profound effect upon their faith in Father God and upon their trust in their own fathers. So as as trials and tribulations are increasing, trust has to rise accordingly or their faith will collapse. And when true faith collapses, our sons and our daughters, who we think and say we love dearly, are going to be increasingly opened to destiny-changing deceptions that promise, it seems they promise, to temporarily allay their fears and provide a false hope. But we fathers hold the promise of a genuine hope that should, if properly presented, build Christ-like courage for challenging times. That's our primary goal. So we have to, we have to ask a, a rhetorical question. How am I doing as a father standing in for the father in disciplining, discipling my kids to stand firm in faith in these exceedingly troubled times? How am I doing? Or are we as a family just continuing in sort of a passive faith with little consideration or preparation for the rising tumult that's going on throughout our culture and the world? Are we resting our children's future faith on sort of a Pollyanna kind of view of life, leaving legacy to just kind of take care of itself, maybe? Sort of a whatever mindset? Or have we, as fathers, wrapped the future of our children in a fatalistic blanket, kind of like, uh, you know, that song, K, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be the future's not mine to see. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. You see, that's not godly fatherhood. Godly fatherhood has a purpose and a plan. 
and a persistence and is wrapped in prayer and a performance of the things that God calls us to do. And Jesus made it very clear that as it was in the days of Noah, so it's going to be in these this period of time just before his second coming. So what was it like in the days of Noah? Have you thought about that? Well, it was kind of business as usual, but with sort of a terrifying twist. Wickedness was great. Man's thoughts were evil continually. Corruption and violence were rampant. Uh, Does that sound familiar, friend? Are not these the times in which we are fathering? You better believe it. So, what should we do? We should build an ark. That's what we should do. What does that mean? We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. I have a question for you. Are you willing to build an ark to save your sons and daughters and your grandchildren? Those who trust you as a spiritual father in your generation. Are you willing to do that? This this might be the last generation given that opportunity to build an ark. So what are the building materials for an ark of faith? This is the most important thing that we can do. Yes, we need to deal with practical concerns that uh, our children bring to us about the marauding mobs and so on. But ultimately, we need to prepare their hearts, their minds and their hearts to be strong in the Lord and to the power of his might, to be able to endure, because Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. It doesn't mean he that lives to the end. It means he that persists faithfully, trusting God to the end, shall be saved. So the first thing we need to do is build a Christ-like trust, guys. So in Noah's day, remember, the Messiah hadn't been revealed. So what happened? Well, the father spoke directly to Noah as a son. And in response, what did Noah do? He did exactly what the father told him to do. He built an ark. God said, build an ark. And so he did. He built an ark. So today, Jesus is saying the same thing to us. Build an ark, not of wood, but of faith revealed in obedience, just like Noah did. So absolute trust revealed in our obedience is going to be the hallmark of our life as fathers 
just as it was of Christ's life as a son who learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So if we want our kids and grandchildren to live in an ark of safety for eternal salvation, then we've got to build an ark of Christ-like trust revealed in obedience. Now, that helps us to understand, then, the, the nature of that song, Trust and Obey, right? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, that's obedience, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. So trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's the message for our kids. Trust and obey. It's not just love Jesus. Because that there's no definition given to that. Love is revealed in trusting obedience, Jesus said. If you love me, obey me, he said. The beloved disciple John said, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. If you want to believe that your children love you, one of the premier ways that they reveal that they love you is to obey you joyfully. Right? Well, the same is true with the Father. And we want our children to develop that kind of relationship. But guess what? If we as dads don't have that kind of relationship with the Father, how in the world are we going to convey that to our kids and help them build an ark of safety? Can't happen. So it has to begin with you and me. So as we, the Noahs of our day, are to build an ark of faithful trust in Christ as the only truly obedient son, and then take the Father's word as absolute truth upon which we can raise our kids in the same unshakable foundation of trust and obedience. Now, let's suppose that you build an ark. But if, if you build an ark... Our kids are not likely to enter the ark with confidence unless unless they perceive that we have done so with absolute confidence. And that's the way it was with Noah. You see, his sons and their wives and his own wife entered the ark with confidence. The other people wouldn't enter the ark. Oh, they clamored to enter the ark When the door was shut and the rain started falling, the floods came up. But until that time, they didn't want to have anything to do with entering the ark. They didn't have the proper relationship. But we want our kids to look at our lives, guys, as so faithful that they will have confidence to enter the ark of faith that we have been building in their lives and to enter it with joy. All right. So the first thing we do is build a Christ-like trust. That's that's the first building material that we use in building an ark. The second is a Christ-like character. So it's one thing to claim to have built an ark, but it's quite another to live a life worthy of entering the ark. 
So think about this. There had to be many men that worked with Noah and his sons to build the ark. It was a massive project. But none of them entered the ark. Their minds, their hearts were not united with Noah's as to the character of their lives that demanded the ark to be built. So, character counts. Your character counts. My character counts. A grandfather's character counts. And the character is one way of expressing the clear connection between what we say we believe and how we live. Sometimes we use the word integrity. The opposite of a life of integrity is the life of a hypocrite. And we don't want to be a hypocrite, do we? Because a hypocrite is somebody who hypes something but doesn't live according to it. So, if our character is not Christ-like, if our home is not a safe haven where Christ-like character guides and protects our purported faith and trust, then the very legacy that we hope for with our kids is going to be at risk. The third thing, the third material that we need to use is Christ-like courage. So we have Christ-like trust, Christ-like character, and then Christ-like courage. Now, this matter of courage is a big deal, a really big deal. It's the courage is the backbone of moral character. So when courage weakens, our spiritual back slumps. Can you imagine real fatherly leadership without courage? So the reality is that courage links all of moral character and genuine faith into a single, shall we say, operative body that enables a man to take a stand. There was a famous sage or uh, philosopher, whatever you call him, his name was Gady, many, many moons ago, and uh, he said this, wealth lost, something lost. Honor lost, much lost. Courage lost, all lost. So, are you willing to take a stand? In this evil day, are you doing all to stand? Having your loins girt about with truth that doesn't sway with the tides of cultural feelings or is enveloped by the tsunamis of godless teachings, whether it's in the name of science or the culture or whatever, or, or to the winds of social pressure and employment compromise, relational infidelity, selfish ambition, fear or loss of ministry funding or constituent support topple your moral frame, allowing your children on looking to see their dad falter and fall under such minor trials and tribulation. This is really a big deal. A constitutional attorney, uh, William Bentley Ball, was writing in a book, In Search of a National Morality. And here's what he wrote. Moral courage is that most unfashionable virtue. It is. And on many of the issues that we as men and fathers face, we lack wisdom specifically because we lack courage. So that Russian 
philosopher, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when he came over to America to warn us, he said a decline in courage may be the most striking feature of our days. He said from ancient times, decline in courage has been considered the beginning of the end. So here's my response. We no longer, as fathers need, wander in trepidation and fear. We have to take courage. So, the Father, God the Father, in passing the baton of leadership to, from Moses to Joshua, you'll remember this, they were terrifying times, just as the children of Israel were going to enter the Promised Land. It's filled with, with wicked and fierce warriors. And so, God, through Moses, gave an exhortation to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wheresoever you go. So we have to be brave, guys, not with bravado, humbly brave. So, in the next segment, I want to share some uh, their serious and sobering admonitions that will help us to stand bravely. Uh, as we see the great and terrible day of the Lord approaching. Remember, we're talking about fathering in fearful times. Fathering in fearful times. And uh, I don't know how much more passion I could possibly muster to be able to communicate to men in our time. I've been speaking with men, have been given the opportunity to talk to men from coast to coast for over 40 years now began in Southern California. In fact, I was the president of the uh, uh, Christian Businessmen's Committee uh, there in Pasadena, California for five years and spoke there once a month for ten years. Also, was speaking to men throughout Southern California and then up and down the state of California and since coming to the East Coast have done the same and for the past 25 years on the air, most recently through the book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy of the Last. I hope you'll get your copy. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. I hope you will not pass up the opportunity to get... Uh, the book Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It's based upon, it, it's God's 
Uh, it's not the book itself, but it, it, the book itself is based upon God's next-to-last message of warning to the world before the coming of Christ. Would you like to know what that is? Malachi chapter 4. Right at the end of the chapter, before 400 years of prophetic silence to Israel, God says this to Israel. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that is the second coming of Christ, where judgment falls on the children of disobedience, I will send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I strike the earth with a curse. Friends, if you don't see it, our current fatherlessness has become such a crisis in our own country that our country is literally stricken with a curse so that even secular observers, secular experts are saying the number one social problem in America today is fatherlessness. And it is driving all of the other statistics of social trouble in our country, fatherlessness. But there are two kinds of fatherlessness. One is the actual physical absence of a father in the home. The other is the spiritual absence of the father in the home. In other words, a father who's in the home but doesn't know how to father. Now, there are many professing Christians out there, fathers in a home that have no clue how to father. And they're not fathering their children. Oh, they're providing a, you know, a roof over their head and food on the table. But that's about it. They have no clue what God expects of them. Nor does it seem they care. And there's going to be judgment. There'll be judgment on the, uh, at the, at the day of judgment for fathers who refuse to accept their responsibility as fathers for grandfathers who refuse to accept their responsibility spiritually as grandfathers. That's why this is so important. Not only that, but the future destiny of our children and grandchildren is at stake. And it's been said that God has no grandchildren. In other words, in every generation, every person has to come to grips with whether or not they will be a true child of God the Father. And dads, you and I are being tested. The trials and tribulations of our time are testing us to see whether we will truly be godly fathers. And that doesn't mean just going to church. It means far more than that. And that's one of the things that we try to communicate in this book, Hearts of the Fathers, what it really looks like, how we can become the kind of father that God wants us to be. And that's why 75% of these books have been purchased by women. Guess what, guys? Our wives feel deeply that we are defaulting on our responsibility before God and before them. And so they feel the necessity of stepping into the gap and trying to do with our kids and grandkids what we refuse to do. 
I mean, can you imagine anything so uh, horrific as that? It's like it's like the captain that abandons ship. All right. So we want to talk about how to be brave, how to be courageous in uh, these times, sobering times. So I I want to share with you a number of different uh, things that will encourage us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. First of all, the Bible says all the time, fear not. The father repeatedly exhorted his son Israel and all his children to fear not. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. So man, we cannot fear. Fear not man. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. So guys, we have to train our children to fear God and not man. That is going to be one of the most profound issues that we face. Because the fear of man will cause our children to capitulate to the ways of the culture. And then ultimately to the ways of the counterfeit Christ, a counterfeit father, and the mark of the beast. That's how serious this is. Also, let me encourage you with these words. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love. So if we really love God, if we train our children to truly love God, it will cast out their fear. And fear has torment, the Bible says. The greater our genuine love for the Father, the less our fear of man. The greater our genuine godly love for our wives and our sons and daughters, the less our fear of the wicked machinations of man. So we're enabled then to be fearless and faithful without falling. The next thing I want to urge you to do is to not fret. Fretting is faithless. The tendency of our flesh is to fret. And fretting actually frustrates faith. We don't want to be a bunch of complainers, murmurers, complainers. The Bible says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Evildoers will always do evil. And our flesh will always demand that we fret. And fretting kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. Don't let it happen to your family. Next, fall not. Do not fall. Falling alone and in an isolated instance does not define or determine failing. But persistent falling reveals a propensity to fail. And that seriously impairs the hope for a godly and lasting legacy. So if our children and grandchildren see us continually fall, it's not good. It's one thing to fall. It's one thing to continually fall. That turns you from an honest, humble person to a hypocrite. And there's no legacy, not a good one, for a hypocrite. And falling away leads not only to personal perdition, but to destruction of a paternal legacy. 
Now, here's a good note. Fortunately, the Father said he's able to keep us from falling. That's if we truly and sincerely follow his word, his will, and his ways. And when we fall into temptation, we're to count it all joy, because our faith is being tested so that we might be perfected. And by the way, grace is not a prescription to sin promiscuously. Instead, it's a provision to keep us from falling. Next, forget not. Do not forget. It's easy for us to forget. Over and over again, God warns his people, remember, 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 remember the mighty acts of God. So, if you're not teaching your children to remember, if you're not teaching them the word of God and the mighty acts of God and why he should be trusted, then what's going to pass through their minds? Fear. Next, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. It's a place of refuge, the Bible says. The Father will teach the fathers who truly fear the Lord, the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we need to pass on to our children the understanding of the fear of the Lord. That's why I wrote the book, The Secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is with them who fear him, and to them and them only will he show his covenant, manifest his covenant. If you don't have that book, you need to get it. The Secret of the Lord. It's a $20 hardbound book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. By the way, if you notice that each one of these books is hitting at a critical aspect of preparing the way of the Lord for these times, these books are not there to make money. I don't make any money on these books, none. It's a means of communicating a message. Follow faithfully. That's the next one. Follow faithfully. How can we expect our children to follow us in security and confidence if we're not following the Father God according to his word? They'll follow us if they see us following him. Follow righteousness. Follow holiness. Follow Christ's suffering. Follow stewardship. Follow without failing. Fight the good fight. We're at war, dads. As fathers and grandfathers, we're called by the Father to stand, and having done all to stand, to stand, we have to stand. Our children are trusting us to remain true even unto death. We've got to put on the whole armor of God every day. Every day that we can be able to stand against the wiles of the evil one. We have to be lovers of the Father's truth, girding it about the most vulnerable areas of our lives. And it's going to demand a level of dedication that is seldom seen in the Western world in our generation. Will it be seen in you? It's time for fathers to get into the battle and fight the good fight of faith. What will you say? when you face the ultimate existential moment of your life, when you've done all you could, say all you said all you could say, lived all you could do to define the destiny of those who follow, 
what will you say? Will you say, as the Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And now, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. My kids that I have trained to love his appearing. So, may all who come behind you and me, friend, find us faithful. Thanks for joining us here on the program today. I hope that this has been encouraging for you, maybe challenging, but that's okay. That's part of encouragement. Encouragement is not just a matter of feeling good. It's a matter of becoming good. It's a matter of becoming what God wants us to be. That's what encouragement is for. Hearts of the fathers, leaving a legacy that lasts. A hardbound book. What a gift to a man. Yesterday, a man, no, it was actually a woman. She ordered a copy for each of her two sons. Why didn't the dad do that? Amazing. Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy the Last. It's a $20 hardbound book. Actually, it's a $23 hardbound book, but it's yours uh, on our website for $18. $18. Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy the Last. I hope you'll get your copy. Don't delay. Even though you might not get it for Father's Day, it's all right. Your heart was in it to do it as a demonstration of love for fathers. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries. When you write your check, add $5 for postage and handling. So glad that you joined us. Remember, the book Antichrist will be out on Monday. Delivered to us so that we can deliver it to you. God bless. Be a blessing. And dads, this is our moment. Who knows but what you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Become a partner with us as we continue to prepare the way of the Lord and exhort us to do the will of the Father until Christ comes. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.